0: today four weeks leading up to Easter and I'm calling this the road to the resurrection the road to the resurrection and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pluck out as Jesus nears the cross and nears the resurrection I'm just going to pluck out a, a couple of key events that 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 were part of the road Jesus pathway to the resurrection and I want to talk today about the hour of visitation when Palm Sunday had already taken place and Jesus Christ was in Jerusalem and looking out over Jerusalem. And He said something that we're about to read. After they had thrown the palm leaves down and after they had said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the highest and so on and so forth, and we're worshiping Him, dancing in front of Him, praising Him, Jesus looked out over the city and He said these words. Let's stand together and look at it and then you can be seated. (coughs) Let's read Luke. Uh, 19, verse 41 through 44. Well, I'm going to read it out of my Bible because that's... No, there we go. No, just take that on down. That's wrong. (laughs) All right, Luke 19, 41 to 44. And let's read it. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, and what did he do? He wept over the city. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke these words. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your what, everyone? Your peace. The things that make for your peace, if you had known. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days are going to come when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you, and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Now listen to the reason Jesus gives. Because you did not know, recognize, perceive the time of your visitation, the hour of visitation. Father, we thank you for your word today, and I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who visits us. You are the God of the hour of visitation. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes and quicken our spirits so that we can respond to the hour of visitation. And we thank you that you're moving all over the earth. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. In the mighty name of Jesus, now will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, help me to respond to the hour of visitation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, you know, you need to tell your neighbor, perk up and listen, you're going to need this. God is already knocking. This is a very powerful word. Jesus, as I already said, has gone through the Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. He is standing and looking out over Jerusalem. And instead of rejoicing over what has just happened to him and the crowds that have, have hallelujahed him and kumbaya him, he is instead weeping over this city. Now I want you to think about that. He's weeping over a city. And he said, you have have praised me, but you haven't received me. You have been stirred, but not changed. Now I'm going to say that again. You've been stirred, but not changed. Many people are stirred by God, but they're not changed. He said, all of this doesn't really mean a whole lot, because the bottom line is, you have not received me. He knew full well that in just a few days, the same crowd that had praised him would turn on him and demand his crucifixion. So he knew that their praise was about a half an inch deep and a mile wide. It was shallow. It was meaningless. Happens all the time to the Lord. Now, he said, you didn't know the time. You didn't recognize the hour of your visitation. That word time is a word that means an appointed time an opportunity you did not recognize Jerusalem the opportunity that God has given you you have been visited by God you have been you have been approached by the Almighty and you didn't recognize it you didn't respond to it you didn't take advantage of it and so woe to you because I came to heal you. I came to give you peace. I came, I came to deliver and set you free. Jesus was saying to them, you did not recognize the appointed time of your visitation, that is, when God was visiting you, the time in which God showed himself gracious towards you and offered you salvation through his Son. You didn't recognize the hour of visitation. Now I found what I'm about to share with you very interesting. And I did not know this. But this word, visitation, is from a Greek word called episkopos. And it's where we get the word bishop. It's where the, the name Episcopalian Church comes from. Episkopos means oversee. To oversee something. Like I'm looking out over you right now. I'm overseeing you. Episkopos. But it also means to be scrutinized or to be inspected. And what the word is saying here. Jesus was telling them, you have not realized, you have not recognized the hour of your inspection. The hour when the overseeing God has come to your life to inspect your life, to scrutinize your life. You have not realized or recognized the hour of your inspection. The the people of Jerusalem had been under inspection by the eye of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, God has inspected you. And God has inspected me. We don't live and worship a God who's just out there somewhere, kind of dumb and dumber, not knowing what's going on. He knows every atom of your being, every hair on your head. And He has inspected us. He is the God who inspects. Remember when Jesus came to the fig tree and the Bible says He inspected it for fruit and there wasn't any. That was a living illustration, a show and tell of what god is like god will come up to you and me we will undergo a divine inspection and he will look to see if there's any fruit in our life and if there's fruit jesus said in john 15 he prunes your life so that you can bring forth more fruit so we we live uh uh before a god a god who inspects us who oversees us and when he inspects us guess what he finds he always finds Though we may be uh, fruitful, we may be walking with Him, we're still, after the inspection of God, always found to be in want or in need of more of God. I want more of God. I want to be saturated with God. I want to know the Lord. I want to grow in my knowledge of the Lord. The people of Jerusalem had been under inspection by the eye of God and they had not realized it. The eye of God came in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that there are times, there are special seasons, and there are moments in our life when God comes as the overseer, as the inspector, and He scrutinizes our life. This is nowhere better illustrated than when Jesus spoke in Revelation 3.20 and He said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, that is a picture of opening your heart to him and opening your life to him so that he can bless you. I stand at the door and I knock and if any man hears my voice, and what's he doing? When somebody comes knocking on your door, you say, well, we've got a visitor. Somebody's knocking on our door and you look through the window or you look through the people and you see who it is or you say, who is it? And we have been taught in the Bible that if it's the enemy, we are to tell the enemy, we rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the blood of the Lamb, I will not open the door to you. But if it's God, we are to open the door because Jesus said, I have come to you, I have visited you to bring you peace and to bring you healing. Listen, anytime God comes knocking, it's good news. It is good news. He said, if you open the door to me, I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. In other words, you can enter into a relationship with the living God, a relationship. Jesus called it a friendship where he will talk to you and you will talk with him. I'm so thankful for the Lord. I'm so thankful that this week I was able to talk to him and he talked back to me. He said, God talks to you? He talks to me through his word every day. And from time to time, he nudges my spirit and speaks to me in my spirit. Absolutely. If the devil can talk, you tell me God can't talk? God doesn't have lockjaw. God did not quit speaking in the first century. God did not quit talking when the canon was closed and the Bible was complete. He still speaks today. He still wants to guide us today. He still wants to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. He will still give you a word of comfort, a word of guidance, a word of wisdom. Our God speaks. His visitations when He visits. When He comes to us and He knocks on the door of our heart, on the door of our life, His visitations have a purpose. They have a reason, a cause. And that purpose is to offer His grace, His mercy, and listen, deliverance from destruction when God visits. Now let me tell you what I believe visitations from god this is my own experience and the experience of many 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 people and all throughout the bible visitations from god may be dynamic and spectacular in the bible we see when god visited his people they would have a visitation from an angel or when god visited them on the day of pentecost the holy spirit fell like flames of fire it was dynamic it was spectacular it was earth-shaking Sometimes visitations are that way. I've had a couple of those in my life by the mercy and grace of God. A dynamic, spectacular visitation. Or they may be quiet. They may be subtle. God comes and He speaks to you in that still, small voice. He eases up carefully and, and softly, walking on cat's feet. And He speaks to your conscience, He speaks to your heart. And somehow, some way, you know. That God is trying to say something to you. You know that God is trying to speak to you. How do you know? You just know in your knower. You know. God is able to make himself real and vivid and present. Whichever way he chooses, spectacularly or subtly and softly. Divine visitations are real and awesome in their importance. And I believe that divine visitations are happening all over the world. And there's a divine visitation here. Oh, and we need to pray for divine visitations. We need to pray for the hour of visitation. I tell you, Jesus is near right at the door. And you you think the Holy Spirit isn't out there working every single moment of every day. And thousands and thousands and millions are being ushered into the kingdom of God. And they are having hours of visitation. I stood in Haiti a few weeks ago, 40,000 people with nothing in this world, not a dime to their name, in rags, living in metal huts in the side of hills with, with, with blankets as their door. And yet, I saw 40,000 worshiping God, singing, I'm desperate for you. I saw that God is moving all over the world. We have heard so many testimonies of Muslims in Muslim nations where you can't go preach the gospel who have had visitations, who have had visions of Christ appearing to them and saying, I am your Savior. I am the way. And they repent based on a visitation that God gives to them without a human witness. And I believe that. I tell you what, you can't keep God out. You can't keep a good man down. Lord, I'm about to go into Easter already. You can't keep a good man down. Jesus never preached a good funeral. He always raised him from the dead. And he was the visitation of God. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew that because they had missed their hour of visitation, they were in trouble. Now I'm going to give you several reasons why God gives us an hour of visitation. Here are several reasons, the first one and the most important one. When God visits an individual, he will initially visit so that they will come to him and be saved. I believe that every person on earth, I don't care where they are, who they are, what they know, what they don't know. Every person on earth is visited by God at some time in their life. Either through their conscience, which God put inside of you, through the testimony of creation, or somebody shares the gospel. But with one of those three, every person on earth will receive a visit from God He will nudge you, nudge your conscience, nudge your mind, bring the reality of His presence to you. Because our God is fair. He will not allow anyone to perish without giving them a chance. He's a good God, a loving God. Read Romans 1 and 2 if you have a question about that because Paul talks about the testimony of your conscience and the testimony of creation. Every human being has it. Jesus was offering himself to the people of Jerusalem as Savior. He came to his own people, the Jews. And John sadly reports about the hour of visitation when God himself, wrapped in skin, appeared before them, began to teach them, raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the sick, walk on water. John says he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, the Jews. And even they rejected him. The most important visitation a person will ever receive in this life is the knocking of God on your heart with the offer of salvation. Hear me on this one. You must be saved. And I'm going to be bold today. Muhammad never said he came to save you. Never said he died for your sins. Buddha did not die for your sins. Krishna did not die for your sins. Zoroaster did not die for your sins. There is only one who died for your sins. And there's only one road to salvation. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's narrow. That's exactly right. It's a narrow way. But nobody else spilled their blood for you. Nobody else took your place on the cross. I tell you, look at the cross and there is your healing. Look at the cross and there is your direction. Look at the cross and there is your deliverance. Look at the cross and there is your salvation. Look at the cross and there you see how much God loved you. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that nobody can close. It says he came to his own and as many as received him, as many as received him, to those he gave the power to become children of God. Even those who believe on his name. You say, well, pastor, that's just too simple. That's right. It's simple. So the simplest person can do it. You look up. And you say, Lord, Jesus, I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose from the dead. I invite you into my heart. And at that very moment, a miracle happens to you. Your sin is washed away. Your account of debt towards God is cleared out. And God puts a stamp on your forehead, forgiven, redeemed, forgiven and redeemed, and you are saved. I've had several visitations from God, but I'm going to tell you the first one. I was in juvenile home for sale of narcotics when I was 16 years old. I had never heard the gospel, but a preacher came with several young people. They played a couple of songs on guitars, and he got up and just quoted John 3:16. I had never heard it, never knew it, wasn't raised in church, didn't know anything about it. And when I heard it, Somehow I knew that something else was in the room. I knew. And a voice seemed to say to me, if you do what he has said, I will forgive you and give you a new start. If you don't, you will be destroyed. And so that night, I gave my heart to Christ. I did not know what I was doing in terms of, I didn't have theology, I didn't have any knowledge of the Bible, but I gave my heart to Christ and he saved me. And I asked the guard to leave the light on in my room when I went back to my room my cell and he left a little dim light on and I read my little striped paperback New Testament that he had given me all that Jesus said and did and even then at 16 in total pagan darkness the Lord reached in and changed my life it was an hour of visitation and I responded to the hour (laughs) then when I got out of juvenile home I got sent off to Austin for a year to a boys ranch It was part of my probation, and I was a minor, so there was nothing ever on my adult record, ever. But as a minor, I got sent off, and for a year I was there, and and during that year, nobody told me to read the Bible. Nobody told me to go to church. Nobody told me how to grow spiritually. There was no way that they could follow up on me, but I have found the greatest follow-up is the Holy Spirit of God. And I began to dabble in Eastern religion. I tried all kinds of different things to, to, to discover and experience what I had felt in jail, which was this peace and this power. And so, man, I tried yoga. I tried going out in the woods and crossing my legs in the lotus position and saying, Aum, all day long. And I got ant bit. I mean, ants got all over me. And that's all that I experienced. You're supposed to go out there and become one with nature. Aum. And I sat there for the longest time. Aum. And the ants heard me. And they thought I was a meal and I really got ants in my pants (laughs) and I said well so much for meditation. But the Holy Spirit then when I left there after a year I got a little apartment next to my dad's apartment and my dad had gone through a divorce and had remarried and I was in an apartment just down the way from him, a little efficiency apartment. And I was wondering where God was and what had happened to me. And a knock came out my door one day, and it was two of my old drug friends. And they said, hey, you want to come with us tonight to a Bible study? And I said, a Bible study? They were carrying a Bible. They had that smile on their face and that look in their eye that when you're lost, you recognize from 10 miles away. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I'll think about it. And I shut the door. And when I shut the door and they walked away, I turned around, and there was another presence in the room. And the Lord seemed to say to me, go to that Bible study. It was an hour of visitation, hour of visitation. And I went, and that night I went, and I saw young people like me, long hair, wire rim glasses, skinny, blue jeans, bell-bottoms, the whole bit, worshiping Jesus with tears running down their cheeks. And I prayed a dangerous prayer. I said, God, if you'll give me that, I'll give up anything. He said, say that one more time. You ever hear God say that? Say that one more time. And I said, Lord, if you'll give me what they have, and right then the power of God hit me. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, are you about to get Pentecostal? I've been Pentecostal a long time, a long time. I believe we need Pentecost at any cost, amen? And, and, and it came on me. And suddenly I was overwhelmed with a sense of the love of God. I can't describe it to you. It was like somebody opened up the top of my head and liquid love was poured down into my spirit. And I couldn't stay in that prayer circle. I broke out went out into the front yard. This was at a house. And Jesus just filled me, baptized me, whatever you want to call it, in the Holy Spirit. And within a year I was preaching and teaching the Word. It revolutionized my life. and And... I tell you, honestly, standing before you, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's it. I am what I am by the grace of God. We serve a God who's powerful. He can change a life. He can do for you in an hour what psychiatrists can't do for you in a decade. He's powerful. His Spirit is powerful. I mean, who was I? What was I? I hadn't gotten past the ninth grade in high school. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And yet the Holy Spirit came upon me and I learned to play guitar just so I could sing songs to Jesus in the quiet of my apartment. And within a year, I knew I was called to preach, knew that I was called to teach. I've been doing it ever since and I, and I can't wait to do it more. I want to do it until I drop. The hour of visitation If I hadn't gone that night, I would not have experienced the Holy Spirit like I did. And if I hadn't gone that night, I wouldn't have learned that I was called. We respond in the hour of visitation and He comes to save us. Now, a second reason we experience a visitation from God, a visitation from God, is deliverance from danger. I want you to listen to me on this one. God will visit you and me when we are approaching danger, remember what Jesus said to the people of Jerusalem. He said, Days are going to come when your enemies are going to build an embankment around you, surround you, close you in on every side, level you and your children within you to the ground. Why? Because you did not respond to the hour of visitation. That tells us that He visited when danger was imminent. He'll give you a visitation when temptation is knocking on your door and you're about to make a bad decision. He'll visit you when you don't realize you're six inches from the edge of a cliff. Jesus knew what was coming to Jerusalem and he knows what's coming to you and me if we don't walk with him. He knew what was coming to the Jewish people and tried to save them before it came. He predicted armies besieging the city. Great calamity would fall on the people with multiple casualties. Seventy years later, it happened. I quote a historian. The Roman legions surrounded the city and began to slowly squeeze the life out of the Jewish people. By the year 70 A.D., the attackers had breached Jerusalem's outer walls and began a systematic ransacking of the city, but it got worse. The assault culminated in the burning and destruction of the temple, the holy temple. Their church was burned to the ground, and it served as the center of their worship, and they had it no longer. And in victory, the cruel Romans... Slaughtered thousands of people, thousands of Jews. Thousands more were enslaved and sent uh, to toil in the mines of Egypt. Others were sent to arenas, the equivalent of our stadiums, throughout the Roman Empire to be butchered for the amusement of the public. They were wrapped in animal skins and thrown to wild animals as the Romans cheered and laughed and mocked and ridiculed them. And Jesus saw that coming. I believe an hour of visitation has come to our country. I believe if our country does not have a revival, we are done. You can't abort millions of babies and not be done in the eyes of God. You can't mock God and remove God from the minds of children and not be done. Can I preach a little bit today? There comes a time when God says, I visited you, I offered salvation, and you didn't take it. Now, I'm going to get more positive in a moment, but this is positive, because we need to understand the God we serve. He's not only a God of love, but He's a God of holiness. Can you understand with me today that God sees what we do not see? He sees your life before you take the next step. He knows where you're going before you leave. He knows where you're going to arrive before you get there. He sees the end from the beginning. When you were born, He saw the end of you. He knows the day you're going to die. He knew the day you were born. You, you, your, your face, your DNA makeup, your personality, you were in the mind of God before you ever were. When His mercy is received, it brings blessing, peace, and safety. When he is rejected, though, it brings sorrow, regret, destruction, heartache, and disaster every time. When an hour of visitation comes to you and me and he warns us of a danger, take it! I've never seen anybody deny and ignore the voice of God when he visited them and warned them that did not end up in destruction and disaster and regret and heartache. Think about it. This truth of deliverance from danger and judgment is all throughout the Bible. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. In Noah's day, an entire generation received an hour of visitation. The hour of visitation came in the presence and in the person of Noah. He began to preach to them and said, this whole world is going to be covered in a flood. God has discovered. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth in the days of Noah, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I used to read that and say, man, that was a bad time. I think we're in the same time where the imagination of men, teenagers, even children, is getting evil. That's why we teach your children when they're, when they're yay high. Lord, I don't need any confirmations. Everybody say, oh me. Look what happened. So in an hour of visitation, he offered salvation through the preaching of Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. He warned them, judgment's coming. He warned them, God is going to judge you. He warned them that a flood was coming for 120 years, but he was just the fool on the hill. He was just the nutty old man building a boat where there was no water. He was at the brunt of jokes and he was mocked. In 120 years of preaching, he didn't have one convert, not one. But the Bible says that one day the rain did begin to fall out of the sky as it never had before because mist had always come up from the ground. This was brand new. And it began to hit them on the forehead and strike them on the face. They could not believe it. They looked to the ark and they remembered what this crazy old man had been saying for 120 years, but it was too late. God had shut the door. And it'll be that way when the rapture of the church happens. Oh, don't tell me some God's going to come out of the sky and take all of you away. Oh, 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 that's those right-wing fanatic nuts. But I'm telling you one day, millions are going to disappear from the face of Western society and millions around the world. And no one will know what in the world happened to all those people, and the door is shut. That's why you pay attention to the hour of visitation. There's an hour of visitation now. Thank God it's the hour of grace right now. In Moses' day, an entire generation received an hour of visitation. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. And he did it by sending Moses, whose face glowed in the dark. Yet the Bible says God was frustrated with them. In Hebrews we're told, so I was angry with them and I said their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter into my place of rest. Be careful then, the, the writer says, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Now on the flip side, in the prophet Jonah's day, an entire city experienced the hour of visitation and they responded in faith with incredible results. The Bible says that through the preaching of Jonah, and he only preached one sentence, and I could paraphrase it, turn or burn. And the great city of Nineveh, Repented, it says in the Bible, from the least of them to the greatest of them. The entire city was spared the certain judgment of God because they had an hour of visitation and in that hour they responded. It's always good news when you know God's knocking. Say, Lord, I unlock the door, I open the latch, I throw the door open. Come into my life. Come into my heart. A third reason we may experience a visitation from from God is this, to encourage and strengthen you in the day of battle. This is by no means exhaustive, but I had to share this one because I've experienced this one myself so many times. God will visit you when you are in the heat of the battle of your life, and He will encourage and strengthen you so that you not only survive, but you thrive. You you not only kind of eat by, but you run by. God can strengthen you and carry you through the darkest valley of your life. And I want you to know that, that you can experience an hour of visitation when the devil is breathing down the back of your neck and every circumstance has gone wrong and those that used to be friends have become foes and you are alone in the world, I tell you, you are not alone. Your God is standing next to you and with you and in you and beside you and around you in the heat of battle. I got to think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There they were. They were being forced to bow down to an idolatrous image of the King Nebuchadnezzar. To compromise, to cave in, to give in, to sell out. Who would have cared if they had just said for a moment, okay, we bow a little bit, here we go. Now, don't throw us into that oven because the king has sent the word out, if you don't bow, you're going into a burning, fiery oven. No one likes to burn to death. All they had to do was say, okay, uh-huh. Now we're done. I didn't really mean it. Can I tell you? The temptation will come to every single person in this room to bow down to something that does not honor God. And they had such an integrity before God that they said, No way, I'm bowing down to anything but Jehovah. God. It says, so these men wearing their robes, sharp looking Hebrew young men, their whole lives in front of them, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound with ropes and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king had turned it up seven times hotter. It was so hot. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who threw them in. It was so raging that when they threw these kids, these teenagers in, they were incinerated. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the flaming furnace and everybody there said, well, that's what you get for not bowing, but something happened down in that furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, because he was looking down in there, he said, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Yeah, one, Shadrach, two, Meshach, three, Abednego. They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, well, then what am I seeing? He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed and so glorious And obviously, divine was the person that was down there that even a pagan king said, he looks like the Son of God. Everybody say with me, Hour of Visitation. In the hour of battle. If the devil is putting the pressure on you, it says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You've got to know when one demon comes against you, you've got two angels, three angels, four angels, five angels that never rebelled, and they are going to fight for you, and you are going to hold your peace. I want to close out talking about Paul, the great apostle of joy, the one with the most positive attitude, With such burning faith, nothing could stop him. Here he is in the book of Acts, in chapter 19. He is chained. He's in the bottom of a ship. He's being taken across the sea to face Caesar. And a storm rolls in that was so bad, it threatened the lives of everybody on board. They threw stuff over. Nothing lightened the ship enough They were rocking and rolling and reeling. They were about to sink. And it says in the Bible, all hope that they would be saved was lost. They gave up. They put up the white flag. They said, this is our death day. This is when we're going down. But there was a man of God in the bottom of the ship. Let me tell you something, folks. When you walk with God... You have no idea what that does with people all around you. Because these were a bunch of pagan dudes who didn't know the Lord, but there was one praying man in the bottom of the ship. Can somebody say amen today? All it takes is one, the power of one. Because one, as a Christian, is never one. It's always two, because he's with you. Now watch this. It says, all of a sudden Paul appeared before these terrified men who had given up and he said these words there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve and he said I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you how did he know that he had an hour of visitation in the time of battle you're never alone You are never alone. You may hurt, you may go through trials, but you are never alone. There is an hour of visitation to be saved. There's an hour of visitation to deliver you from danger. There's an hour of visitation to strengthen and encourage you in the hour of great battle. Thank God for the hour of visitation. Can we stand today? You know, if you come around here much, I'm going to be talking about the supernatural. And I want to tell you, when I got called to preach, I was terrified. I had stage fright. This kind of crowd, when I first got called to preach, I would have fainted up here. (laughs) Two or more people, and I turned red in the face. My lips started to quiver. I stuttered. I couldn't think of what to say. (laughs) But do you know what happened? Now some of you aren't going to know what to do with what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The night before I went to preach the first time, I had an angelic visitation. I experienced an angelic visitation. You "You saw a creature with wings? No. I saw a shining bright light, so bright I had to shut my eyes. And you know what I know? He strengthened me and did something in me so that when I preached, people got touched. And it's totally apart from me. It's just what God does. You say, well, are you saying you're special? No, I'm saying I'm common. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister to those who are to be heirs of salvation? Every heir of salvation in here, raise your hand. Well, an angel has probably ministered to you and helped you, and you don't even know it. But that's what the Bible says. I want to pray with you today. Can we bow for just a moment of prayer? Say, well, Pastor Jeff, I don't know that I have really been born again, and I want to know for sure today. See, this is an hour of visitation for you. You may not have another one like this. But right now, God's here in this place he wants to touch you. You may have never turned to him and said, Lord, forgive me, come into my heart and be my savior and Lord. And you need to today. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, there is a question mark and I want to settle it today. Can you raise your hand right where you are? Let me see you. I need him, I see you, God bless you. Anyone else? Now maybe some of you You used to walk with the Lord, and you've gotten away from Him. And the Lord's already been knocking on the door of your heart, calling you home. And you know what a perfect time to do it right now today. God wants you to make peace with Him. You can say, Pastor, I want to walk with Him like I used to. I want to get with the Lord like I used to. With all of my heart, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to come home. God bless you, many, many people. I'm going to ask you, as we just play, we're not even going to sing, we're just going to play lightly. I want you to slip out from where you are, and I want you to come down to this altar and let me pray with you. Come right now. I'm going to wait for you. The Lord is calling. You You say, why do I have to come down there? Everybody that Jesus ever dealt with in the New Testament, he did it in front of people.